Welcome to Mom Blog. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Solstice tomorrow. I hope everybody's having a good week and everybody's healthy. I'm sure many of you are not. <laughs> um, that seems to be the situation right now. That's kind of why I wrote this week's essay on surrender. It ended up not being about getting sick and surrendering to the illness, which is sort of what got me thinking about it. But maybe the idea will resonate with you if you're feeling low. Um, I'm feeling good. You can probably hear from my voice that I'm awake and I'm recording during the day while Rosalind's at school. And in fact, I'm recording with one eye on the clock because I have to go get her. So completely different energy for a mom blog podcast today. Um, I'm going to bring it. I'm going to bring it. And then after this, um, after this essay, I'm taking some time off. So mom blog will be back mid January. I'm doing some other writing that I need to do that I've been putting off for a long time. Um, well, that's not true. I just truly haven't had time to do it. Speaking of being realistic with yourself, which is what this week's essay is about. So without further ado, here we go. This week's essay is called On Surrender. And in this essay, I will be talking about the children's book author and illustrator Jan Brett, potty training, and becoming yourself. One of the Christmas books from my own childhood that has made its way into our current collection is The Wild Christmas Reindeer by Jan Brett. Do you know it? A young elf named Tika lives, quote, up in the Arctic in the shadow of Santa's winter farm. Santa asks the... Santa asks Tika to prepare the reindeer who have spent all summer and fall out on the tundra. Tika is very nervous and thinks to herself that, quote, she would have to be strong and firm to get them all ready to fly the sleigh. She rounds up the reindeer, shouting to get their attention. They are, quote, bewildered by Tika's voice. Their heads went up to see who this loud creature was. After herding them into the barn, brushing their coats until their ears turned pink, and harnessing them to the sleigh for practice, the reindeer are so flustered that they fall down and tangle their antlers. In the illustration, their eyes bulge. Tika's face is red with anguish. Tika looked at the tangled reindeer, once so bold and free, and began to cry. It's my fault, she said. I've spent all my time yelling at you instead of helping. I'm sorry. She hugs the reindeer and promises that tomorrow there will be, quote, no yelling, no screaming, and no bossing. The reindeer smile at the change in her demeanor and laugh until their antlers shake free. Reading this as a kid, I was most interested in the Christmas countdown that happened on the borders of the book. Each page shows the December date with an illustration of different gifts the elves are preparing. Knit hats, stuffed bears, gingerbread cookies, and dala, dala, horse ornaments like my own mother kept from her childhood in Minnesota. As a parent, the message of this book feels targeted. I love almost everything about the age Rosalind is at. The imaginative play, the tenderness, the independence she's gaining. She's telling stories. She's putting on some of her shoes. She's using the toilet most of the time. She's also trenchant and stubborn. 
I looked up trenchant just now to make sure I was using it right. Then I typed in stubborn to see if there was a better choice in the thesaurus. Stubborn, it turns out, comes from Middle English, quote, of unknown origin, quote, originally in the sense untamable. Having a toddler can feel like having eight wild reindeer. I often feel like Tika, red-faced and desperate. This morning, after opening the chocolate advent calendar from my mother-in-law, I reminded Rosalind it was time to go to the bathroom. I don't have to go pee, she said. I tried again, explaining how I also had to pee, how peeing is something we do every morning when we get up. I reminded her of the previous weeks of morning pees we'd done successfully. It didn't matter what I said. The pajamas were not coming off. Haunted by the memory of the chronic UTIs I'd had as a child, I worried what would happen if she wouldn't pee. I tried a different tactic. If you hold your pee in too long, I said, raising my eyebrows, you could get a boo-boo in your vulva. I need a band-aid, she asked, almost hopefully. No, I said, already annoyed at myself. You would need yucky medicine and you would have to go to the doctor. So come on. I could already feel the fog of the early morning rage begin to roll in. This isn't a choice. I'm taking the pajamas off. If you have a toddler, you know what happens next, which is that the reindeer fell to the ground and rolled until they got tangled. If you don't have a toddler, just imagine that Tika came to your tundra and forced you to take off your pajamas. You would be pissed, too. The thing is, I was going to do potty training perfectly. I was going to follow a method from an online course I'd paid for. We'd prepare for three days at home, focus solely on Rosalind's needs, following her around with the little pink potty and teaching her to listen to her body. But then Rosalind's teachers urged us to start. At school, she was crying when it was time to use the bathroom, desperate to join the queue of bigger kids who were already potty trained. There were a few three-day weekends on the calendar, but then Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Columbus Day came and went, and each time there was something I didn't want to give up. I could not sacrifice an entire precious weekend for the perfect process. I reflected that for all the gray loneliness of the early pandemic, it offered a kind of blank slate for my parenting. No distractions, no outside demands, no schedule, no plans. There would have absolutely been three days to devote to urine and feces. I would have had control. Well, at least more control than I do now, feeling pressured to begin before I was totally ready. Here's the thing, though. It turns out you cannot force someone to pee or poop. Control is the opposite of helpful. I was deeply unprepared for the emotional intensity of potty training the way it would test the very limits of my ability to back off. I did not know it would involve tears and hand-holding and locked eyes, that it would involve coaching and whispers of support. I didn't know I would become a kind of poop doula. I didn't know I would be ordering silicone molds and droppers to make my own bear-shaped coconut oil poop-inducing chocolates. I didn't know how common it was for children to get pink eye during the process. I didn't know how exciting it was to have suddenly an awareness of one's own butthole. Last week, I wrote in Fun Mom that our Thanksgiving road trip was fun and that road trips with kids could be if you, quote, completely give up any expectations of sleep, health, or comfort. 
In that way, a road trip is parenthood distilled. In that caring for a small person is always easier if you surrender completely. It's easier to surrender if you are realistic about what you are doing. No one imagines 10 hours in the car will be fun. That's not realistic. Being realistic requires a kind of brutal honesty. This shit is hard. This year, a goal of mine can best be described as surrendering to my own honesty. I'm trying to listen better to my own body when it is tired or stressed or hungry. To my nervous system when it flares up with mourning. To my own dread when asked to do something it turns out I do not want to do. I believe they call this living authentically. Am I succeeding? Kind of. And sometimes. Last night, I knew it was a bad idea to stay up watching White Lotus. I thought longingly of my bed. But the brilliant tension of the show overtook me, and I watched into the night with my teeth clenched. If I would have respected my feeling, I would have connected it to movement and brushed my teeth and gone to bed. It occurs to me that this thing I struggle with is the same thing we are trying to teach Rosalind, to connect a feeling in her body to an action, sitting down on the toilet. Sometimes these physical desires feel less urgent or less important, like whims, a hunger for ice cream, for example, or a sudden urge to be outside. But why not respect those desires, too? When I was a child, I don't think I learned this well. For many reasons, my whims were overshadowed by the important world of grown-ups, their rules, and their worries. It made me feel very lonely sometimes. As a parent, I find myself noticing my own tension in responding to Rosalind's desires. I try my best to be free. Yes, we can have hot chocolate with marshmallows. Yes, we can go ice skating. Yes, we can have another one of those bear-shaped poop-inducing chocolates I made. Yes, we can stop for the 10th time on the road trip to go pee, of course. There's a footnote here about ice skating and just in terms of the word honesty, I will say that I am scared of ice skating. I don't want to do it. And I told myself as a child (laughs) that when I no longer had to go ice skating, I would never go again. And it is one of the greatest joys of being an adult is that you can say no to something like that. And I reserve the right to change my mind, but Jimmy took her. It turns out Jimmy has never been ice skating, which is something I didn't know. And of course, Rosalind has never been ice skating, but they went down to the Empire State Plaza and they got on the ice for about mm, 0.9 seconds. And then they had some chips and then they went and got ice cream. So speaking of um, attending to your whims, this is something my husband has no problem with, which is wonderful. Perhaps the hardest thing about being a parent is this impossible balance between my needs and her needs. But attending to her needs has taught me a lot about my own. Having less energy, less time, and less stamina to give myself has shown me how important those things are. Having seen her delight, a first marshmallow, shows me what I have often missed. They say motherhood changes you. I cannot disagree. But the concept makes me feel a bit cranky. I am still me. I'm not someone else. What I thought of this week was, what if it makes you more yourself? What if becoming a parent isn't this radical, unnatural, alien change? Though, of course, it does feel like that sometimes. 
What if it is just another step towards recognizing who you really are? A more realistic look at yourself. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a subscriber. Um, Actually, when I was reading this and I'm feeling so energetic and awake and also realizing that I'm always whispering kind of when I read mom blog normally because people are sleeping in the house. People, the people, the main person of our house. Um, So I am, well, if you've already listened to this, you already know, but I think I'm going to make this one free. So if you heard this and you liked my podcast version of the essay, you can become a paid subscriber, $5 a month, and you will get these for all the essays. Not the fun moms, but the essays. Um, I really like reading them, and I know it can be helpful to have something to listen to sometimes. I'm a big... um, I can never... Does anybody else have this problem? Comment. Comment below. What are they called? Earpods? iPods? Earbuds? Anyway, I have those, and I love them, and I surrender to my addiction to listening to something. Anyway, if you liked listening to this, subscribe for more, and Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year, and I will be back in January. Everybody, go have some marshmallows. Goodbye.